Otherwise presented by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the central university. A study on everybody welcome to episode 110 of the rj can do america podcast i am your host today in the place to be mr jacob p and sitting right across from me is the beautiful brown recluse mr art trail art say hello to the millions and millions what's up everybody before we start guys i want you guys to go to cavemancoffee.com check out their entire inventory they got coffee they got the hibiscus tea they have the cacao butter i like the cacao butter because it makes my coffee oily um <laughs> And they also have decaf coffee, which is what I've been messing with lately. It's actually all I really drink is decaf coffee. Check it all out. Type in America at checkout. Take a picture of yourself drinking the coffee. Tag us. Tag them. We appreciate it. They appreciate it. Um, Your love goes a long way. Oh, yes. It supports the show. So speaking of supporting the show, guys, make sure you check out our other sponsor, guys. The great, the powerful, the flavorful. El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Guys, the kings of flavor since 1968. That is 50 plus years of Flavortown. And when I mean Flavortown, I mean the best hot sauce you will find on any grocer's shelves. I guarantee it. Just like the men's warehouse. So just in case you cannot find El Yucateco at your local you know, grocery store or Walmart or Target or Vallarta or wherever you do your grocery shopping at, guys. I'll hook you up with a free promo code. Uh, guys, go to shopelucateco.com and our promo code DOAMERICA. Now, DOAMERICA is one word. Enter that upon checkout and you'll save yourself 10% off. And just like Caveman Coffee, they got shirts, they got hats, they got, you know, bottle openers. They got all sorts of accoutrements uh, that have uh, El Yucateco logo on. And they're fucking slick as shit. El Yucateco sent me a bunch of stuff uh, recently. Um, and I've been giving that out to, you know, all of our Patreons. I've hit you guys up. So if I'm asking for your address, it's not because I'm trying to, you know, you know, do something sexually harassmenty to you or anything like that. No, I'm trying to hook you guys up with some free Ellie Gateco swag. So um, just as soon as, you know, I get those addresses in, I'll get you guys that stuff. But guys, we are not here to talk about coffee. We are not here to talk about hot sauces. We are here to talk about one of the greatest metal albums of all time, if not the best metal album of all time. But before we get into that, guys, we want to welcome our very special guest, one of our favorite guests of all friend time. Friend of the show. I think we're, uh, we can go with friend of the show. Yeah. We're probably on a first we're, name we're, basis. We're on a first name basis. Yeah. You know, he's, in the, he's at the beginning of the Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs> under Aaron. How you guys doing? You guys, you guys been good? Hell yeah. Good, good. Up stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad to um, whatever reason, the couple times like I've mentioned things about Metallica on social media it, it really stirred up a bunch of uh, interesting emotions in people so yeah I'm gonna uh, I'm going to clarify and uh, uh, a few things 
things, and I'm gonna I'm gonna prove to everybody that this is not just an opinion of mine that justice is better than master puppets. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna prove it. I, I can prove it with charts and graphs if I have to bust those up. <laughs> but um, I, I want to let everybody know, like first and foremost, um, when we're talking about this stuff. Um, it doesn't, I'm not saying in any way that I don't like Master of Puppets. Master of Puppets, yes, is one of the greatest records, metal thrash records of all time. And just because I'm saying that, it doesn't mean I think it sucks. I, I think it's probably overall the, maybe even the third or fourth best Metallica album. But that's still, yeah, it's, it's an incredible record. I'm not you know, throwing any type of shade on it whatsoever. All I'm saying is, is that as far as thrash metal is concerned, and I'm so I'm not counting anything. Basically, this is a period that really existed about five years. So we're we're going from like um, '85 is when Metallica's recording Puppets comes out in '86. Beginning of '86, Slayer's doing Rain and Blood that comes out by the end of '86. By 1990. Slayer puts out Seasons, right? Uh, Seasons in the Abyss. And that is kind of their last, that's their last record before Lombardo leaves. That's, a lot, you know, it's like, and it's over, right? Metallica decides to stop being a thrash metal band and decides to kind of be more of a heavy metal band um, on the Black Album. So it's, they're done with that. I'm talking about, yeah, so it's, you can really only gauge, plus, yeah, Metallica from one through, yeah, anything they did in the '80s, right? And and Sl and Slayer, and this is another uh, uh, maybe a hot take too. I don't want to bump it up too much, but in my opinion, uh, it's not even a big four, really. It's 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 kind of like uh, like in like uh, in rock and roll in the '60s, where it's the Stones and the Beatles and everybody else, or it's really the Beatles and the Stones and everybody else, you know, for a minute. It's uh, for thrash metal specifically, it's first and foremost Metallica and then Slayer and Anthrax and Megadeth. Personally, it, I think it's pretty much unlistenable garbage. <laughs> um, I, I think it's irrelevant. I don't, they've, they're not good, especially Megadeth to me. Like I, that's a whole nother, that doesn't mean I don't respect that dude as a guitar player and stuff. Those records are just, bad and they are um they're reactionary those bands are reacting to what slayer and metallica are doing basically and chasing mm -hmm. that what is happening there um now uh yeah so i i want everyone to know i'm not saying master puppet sucks because i i can, anyone who's going to say it's rad or whatever or people who are saying it's a great of course it's a great record it's, it's one of the greatest records of all time but um, um and then what i want to get into is, is um what I don't think, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I hope this doesn't come down as condescending or anything, but I'm older than most of the people I hear. So I don't know when this, like, about 10 years ago, maybe. And I, and I blame people like um, some journalists, UK journalists like Malcolm Dome, I mean, Mick Rock, who started perpetuating this puppets being this. And I know that it's like people want it. It's, it's, it's a lot more romantic for puppets to be the best thing because it's got Cliff Burton involved in that type of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. But um, it's just not, um, that's not the case. But um, uh, 
Was I, I just completely forgot. So I got a little, still have that a little masturbating bird and he makes a noise. Goes, <laughs> was no, he was the about? star of the show, man. <laughs> yeah, kids. Anyway, um, yeah, um, but basically it's like, um, it's uh, something that pretty much James Hetfield's playing style single-handedly invented this sound, really, that has been chased by everybody else, including Slayer. And then the reason no one really ever talks much about the first two Slayer records is because the production on them is awful. But starting with um, Rain and Blood, um, and it's, it's, I'll tell you one person who needs to get a lot more credit and never gets much credit for this whatsoever, Rick Rubin. Rick yeah. Rubin has more of a hand and influence on the way that thrash metal sounds than people realize whatsoever. Like just the way that he produced um, that first Slayer record he did with those guys, the way Rain and Blood sounds like, and then if that record doesn't sound that way and Rick Rubin doesn't uh, insist on things like no reverb, you know, like that kind of stuff, um, then justice doesn't happen. You know, it's like justice is reactionary to what Slayer was doing, to Rain and Blood and that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. okay, if that's the way, and yeah, they had to tip their cap because it was like, as good as Puppets is, like, it's still a reverbed out, gated snare, dated sounding record. Like, there's something, when you put reverb on everything, like, which is what is happening on Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, you're dulling all the edges, you know? It's like, and it, it's, it doesn't sound as good loud and that type of stuff. When Slayer put out Rain of Blood and all of a sudden it was like, Rick Rubin's like, dude, take all that reverb shit off, all of it. But we're gonna put one guy on the left, hard pan, one guy on the right, hard pan. We're gonna take all the like um, body of the kick out too, or at least, you know, boost ups, all that so that you can hear the, the click of the kick drum. Mm -hmm. And that defined the way that that sounded forward and ever since right like and that's rick rubin that's not even the guys and the slayer was kind of like kicking and screaming you know um uh about that the whole time but that's rick rubin doesn't get credit for that so anyway um yeah just so uh if anybody's got a you know a good uh a good uh take on a, on, on why i disagree it's like yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you like in my opinion honestly uh, Ride the Lightning has the best songs of it, but it's like it, Creeping Death, Bells, Fade to Black, you know, on and on. It's like mm -hmm. the Call of Cthulhu. Uh, but yeah, uh, but it's just dated. It's like you're, you're talking about people too. It's like, um, oh, this is what I want to get into before my bird started making his masturbation sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> The way that the way that these records were recorded is something that people don't aren't really informed about and is what my argument is mostly based on because it's a misconception. It's a it's a magic trick that was a kind of a Metallica secret like that. They really, really tried to keep under wraps until fairly recently when they started putting those box sets out. You could start to notice like, oh, like Lars is like is allowing people to see stuff like if you look this is the like the justice box set that came out and stuff and it's where they have like if you're gonna put in all you know 
all the track sheets in there and all that kind of stuff. Now I can, it's like, oh, what the hell? Dude? Why? Like, that's insane. Like, that's, and having click tracks and stuff, it's like, and then having some of the songs where you can hear on the rough mixes, like on disc nine, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, before they like have added the bass and Kirk solos, you can still hear the clicks coming through his headphone bleed, right? Like on the drum. So oh, wow. here's, here's the main premise of what I'm getting at is, um, uh, and, I, and I apologize if this um, is like telling some of you that there's no Santa Claus, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what you think you are hearing on, and I'm talking about from Kill 'em All through, so all the 80s Talca records, right? The, the first four, the Thrash Miller records. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a magic trick. It was like a band, you're recording to two inch, um, 16, 24 track. That's another thing too, is like, I don't think kids, when I read these arguments about Master of Puppets is the best because this, this, that, these kids don't really understand how these records were made or why they even sound the way that they do. So I'm going to get into that where um, basically Justice was the last record that they did this way. Because once they started with Bob Rock on the Black Album, they ditched that. That's why you see like, yeah, that in the Nothing Else Matters video, they're all sitting in the same room tracking together. Mm-hmm. That did not happen ever, ever. For kill em, for it for kill 'em all, ride the lightning, master puppets or justice, never happened. Um, the way that these guys recorded these records, they kind of fell into it too, like happenstance. So it wouldn't have happened if they hadn't kicked Dave Mustaine out of the band. So basically, it was like they'd been playing all those songs on Kill 'em All for years by that point, right? And then last minute before they go record the record, they decided to get a new guitar player. So and they. They figure out once they, you know, they got to go get into the studio. It's like, well, we can either try to teach this guy all of these songs and then sit here while he tracks these and try to get them because it has to be tight or I'll just fucking record all of them and he can overdub the solos, right? And we'll tell everybody that that's not what we did. You know, if anyone asks, you played all the rhythm parts too, you know, but when people, what kind of screws people up is they see footage of this band playing these songs all together so they think yeah it's like that's not how people record or recorded like not once did all four of them ever sit in the room and play any of these songs at the same time yeah by, just, by justice their song like for master puppets in this record lars and james you know they would they would take people's home jam tapes but they'd pick out which riffs they liked if it was kirk's stuff or, or even Jason. Jason has one writing credit on this record. Right? Blackened, yeah. Right, and then they tell those two dudes, Kirk and Jason, like, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you. We're gonna fi- now. We're gonna like figure this out. And then James and Lars, and you can hear these demos, you know, in the box sitting there online too. They make four track demos of all the songs. Where, and then when the solo part comes up, that's not Kirk playing. That's James. The solos are always bad because James is just basically saying, this is filler. This is going to be 16 bars of a solo. So, it's a, you know, he's not even trying to even play it in key. Just like, hey, this is for Kirk. Now you know how many bars you've got to write this solo for. But like it's and then it's given this tape is given to the band members like here's the songs that are going to be on the record that you've never heard any of these. You talk about like, yeah, how intimidating, how blown away you'd be if you're 
Newstead or Kirk Hammond, you know, you'd be like, holy fuck. Like the first time they heard one, like the biggest fans are dudes in the band, right? They got to like, like, yeah, wow, we get to play on this shit. Like this is, this is badass. But like, you know, up until that point, those guys had never even heard those songs before. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the idea that they would then practice or learn these songs before they went in the studio is just nonsense. That didn't happen. So when these guys went into the studio on Kill 'em All, for example, yeah, it was like, we'll just, yeah, Kirk, we're going to overdub your solos. And then when they went out and they like, well, hey, that what happened accidentally was they found out that James Hetfield's rhythm guitar playing is the sickest shit ever. And if you just overdub him and just have him, the sound of him, that is thrash metal. That is what invented thrash metal, whiplash, these types of songs. If you listen to like, okay, the only times they never recorded that way was No Life to Leathers when they had Ron McGovney and Mustaine in the band. And then like a little demo they did um, after Cliff Burton joined, the one time where it was Mustaine and Burton Lars and James, and they did Whiplash and No Remorse, right? Another four-track demo. It's the only time where you can hear those songs being played with somebody else playing a rhythm part. And when you hear so when you hear Dave Mustaine playing, it's cool, but it's not, it's not because it's the syncopation is what thrash metal is. It's a if one guy's going and the other guy's you know. Now it's apples and oranges because that's that actually sounds makes, like a sick ass song though, by the way, dude, what, <laughs> what makes Slayer cool or different is that they don't do it that way. They have on their records, it's hard pan. It's like Hanneman's on the left, Carrie King's on the right. And it's like, but when they get into those chugga chugga things, it's one guy's just a little off in the other. And it doesn't hit quite as heavy. Right. Mm -hmm. So now by the time they get to, Ride the lightning. This is like a way that just it's like, dude, it's better if you just don't learn the rhythm parts. So here's what I'm saying is if you listen to Kill 'em All or Ride the Lightning or Master Puppets or this record, you're hearing basically a white stripes record for 90% of the time. Because you're yeah. hearing the sound of these two dudes, James and Lars, who are in the studio doing the whole thing for months. And then for like three or four days, you're like, yeah, come in and you overdub your solos, your leads, you know, <laughs> and then whoever the bass player is. And this goes for, this is another misunderstanding, I think, or uh, how should I say it? Nice. Misinformed opinion is that Cliff Burton, like Cliff Burton's great too. This is the other thing. I'm not talking shit on Cliff Burton either. Cliff Burton is and what the greatest Metallica bass player of all time. But here's the thing. He's not like, he didn't write, he didn't write any of the songs other than the instrumental stuff, the beginning of For Whom the Bell Tolls, you know, they gave him a couple credits for things like that, but he never brought in parts. It's, it's these guys' band, whoever the hell this is, you know, it's like, but this record <laughs> especially though, you're hearing, there's songs on this record where like, look, Justice, Nine minutes and 45 seconds. For the first two plus minutes of the song, until you hear a guitar lead, which is probably two or three minutes of the song, all you can hear are, it's the sound of these two dudes, right? Like, yeah. it's like, people have, like, when you see all this stuff where it's like, for this record especially, it's like, justice, for, we gotta have the 
the mix I where I turned up the bass that's on YouTube, right? And it's justice oh, justice for Jason, for Jason. or whatever. Yeah. How come no one ever says justice for Kirk, right? No, it's like, it's like <laughs> they think that if you put Jason in there now, it's going to sound the way it's supposed to sound. It's like, that's not how the record is made because he doesn't play any of the rhythm on here. So they're, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's like, you're, it's, it's, it doesn't matter, right? It's like, it's like, uh, there's, yeah. Here's the other thing that drives me nuts when, when kids say that stuff. He's like, you've never heard anybody say uh, justice for Tom. You can't hear the bass on any of these Slayer records. You know why? Because that's how you mix thrash metal records. Yeah. Bass does not have a place in thrash metal. Period. You, it does if you bring it up at certain points, like in For Whom the Bell Tolls, when you bring it up. But if it's a part where guitars are going, bass like, sounds stupid. And Metallica learned that lesson. So before I even got here, Right. This is the first record they did that's post Rain and Blood. So it's like, and they would never admit it at the time. I'm sure they'd admit it now. But yeah, Rain and Blood ripped their face off and fucked them up in a way because it was like these guys, even though Rain and Blood isn't as good of an album as Puppets, you know what I'm saying? Like Puppets is a greater overall album. Rain and Blood's got its front-ended and back-ended, right? The last two songs are incredible, and Angel Death at the Beginning is great, but, like, that was the first record where someone was like, yeah, fuck Reverb. Like, we're, take all that shit off. Take off the gated, dated, like, gated reverb sound on the snare and all that shit, and, like, just, yeah, and turn the bass pretty much off, because yeah. it's about the click of the drums, it's this. Right? It's that. Yeah. And there's no room for like, it's just, it, it doesn't, it's not, yeah, yeah. The, it doesn't sound good loud, right? Yeah. Um, and they figured that out when they did this, because this is so, they're like, oh, we'll, go, we'll, we'll figure out how to like, yeah, break in the new guy and it'll give us something, you know, it's like, and we'll, we're going to try this new, like, yeah, no, like dry, it's not, you know, they, that's, that's like, yeah, not having a, a sh- the process, the drums sound terrible on puppets because it's, dude, people didn't know, the engineers at the time, this is a new burgeoning art form that's being created as they go along. So that's why, like, dude, like, uh, Ride the Lightning and Puppets are just sound super 80s. It's that super 80s smothered in reverb. The drums are just bad. It sounds bad. The guitar tones and stuff are cool, but here's the other thing that drives me nuts, too, is, like, people say that, you know, well, if, if there was more bass on just super good, they don't realize also that the bass on this stuff is super buried too. Mm-hmm. Like, and if, and if you don't believe, go find, and you can do this on YouTube, search Cliff Burton isolated bass just for like the song master of puppets. And he's playing stuff you've never heard before. That's yeah. incredible on its, it's great, but it's not, you can't hear it. And the reason you can't hear it because it wasn't in the mix because it makes the, now when someone underneath that is doing a rolling rounder bass thing it takes all the you know like heavy percussive element out of the guitar sound and the drum and muddies the waters so he's buried 
So it's like for people, like this assumption that all of a sudden justice was the first record where the bass was low. It's like, no, the bass is low on all this shit. You just think it's in there because when they mixed it, they wrote it up in a couple places. So like mm-hmm. an Orion and stuff. And of course, yeah, they pushed them up in that. Or the couple parts where you have to hear them, you know, this, that, or the other. Whenever it's the bass intro or something that's, yeah, they bring them up for that. But then they pull that shit down. You can't hear a note of it, you know, like. So that whole argument is really retarded. And it's even and more so the case with Ride the Lightning. There is no bass on Ride the Lightning. And you you're absolutely right, too, because this whole week, like I spent like a couple of days just listening to Injustice for All, like over and over and over again, just to like refresh my, you know, my palate again, just to like to be submerged in that world. And I was like, well, let me go. Let me go back and listen to all the other stuff pre black album you know black album forward is its own beast into itself but let me look at all those like you know first four records and you're absolutely right because like i remember when i first got into metallica like when i was like 10 or 11 years old or whatever like you start with the black album which is very you know just you know just sonically just like a whole different beast like i was it's saying great. It, it's it's like a motley crew produced album basically absolutely but on, for what it is it's a great metal record right? oh yeah i love it cool. It's like ACDC or something like that. But right. then when you work your way backwards and you're like, all right, I really love the song one. You listen to Injustice for All and you're like, oh, wow, this is really dry. But then you go back, like you were saying, with like puppets and uh, Ride the Lightning and even Kill Em All. It's just like once, you know, like the rhythm section kicks in or the rhythm guitar, I should say, yeah. um, you, you start to notice you're like, oh, wow, where'd Cliff go? You know, the only thing that like the the reason why like Jason gets buried so much is because there's two different bases. That's that's another point there where like Cliff Burton, he's almost like a semi lead guitar player. Like he's somewhere between, you know, Kirk and James. Like he lives like in those worlds. So like for for example, for whom the bell tolls like that solo that's in the beginning for years, you know, and I even learned it on guitar myself. I thought that was, you know, Kurt playing that or James, because James would sometimes play, but that's a fucking bass guitar playing a fucking guitar solo. And that's why Jason was, you know, pretty much, you know, down because he's more of a traditional bassist. Right. You know, what you see like on, you know, Garage Days re-revisited, like where like they, they give him his shine, you know, where he's playing, you know, the Diamond Head song and whatnot. But like, then he gets called back down when it's, you know, James and, you're doing and the they, rhythm stuff yeah. and, then james, for- and then one more thing i want to say about that too it's not just james being like an egomaniac you know with his guitar yeah. tones it's the fact that the way that the guitar tones are are made on my marshall right here you know it's it's all metallica out like where it's called a scooped sound so yeah. what you do is you turn the treble to picture like a clock if you will like with the 10 and you have to turn the treble to seven the mids go all the way down and the bass goes all the way to 10. So if you have, you know, Kurt and James guitars are all turned tuned like that. And then you also have the bass guitar on that. If you're trying to have like a really catchy, you know, uh, rhythm guitar section, you put, like you were saying, you put like a really heavy bass line over that. It's going to get all muddied out. Especially with the dude who's playing with his fingers too. Like the way he played, was very fluid and stuff. And he would do things like, for example, here's an example, like the chorus in No Remorse, I don't know what the fuck he's playing on bass, but it's not, it's like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, they just like, even on that, they're like, okay, we'll just bring this down because I don't know what the fuck, but yeah, his, the isolated stuff, like on Ride the Lightning too, there's stuff he's playing on that album that's sick, but you can't hear a note of it. He's buried 
the base on Ride the Lightning is more buried than the base on Justice. So that's one thing that people, I don't think, yeah, are wrong about. But um, they tried on this because it's like, yeah, we want, we got a new guy. We're going to like, you know, give him a shot. Like, this is the loudest bass probably on, on absolutely on any of the 80s stuff, right? Mm. But it's just, it sounds dorky. Like, that lack of, you know, it's like, it sounds cool, like, like Crash Course, right? And Brain Surgery, where it's like, he's, it starts with him playing. Absolutely, it sounds cool. But once the guitars and stuff kicks in, it's just, it's, it's not good. It just, it doesn't, it, yeah, it, it just detracts from, like, the impact of what makes thrash metal thrash metal. Right. And like, um, uh, yeah, I, I just like, so did I, I think, did I get enough, like, I want people just to know technically though, like, cause that's, that's, that's a huge point that like, I don't think people realize where it's like, like they would sit down for all of these songs, whether it's puppets or anything and section by section before they would track them, James and Lars would like figure out and that dude Fleming Rasmussen, right? Like, and this was kept a secret because it, it, like, this was like, yeah, this was like locked in a vault type stuff, right? Like, because it was like, it was basically trying to record on tape what you can do on Pro Tools now. Because there was no, like, you know, like, uh, there's no auto-tunes and there's no, like, you know, programs where you can just, like, snap the drums to a grid, you know? It's like, that stuff doesn't exist. So these guys, if you see the original, two, like, two-inch tape, that it's just, like tape like they were slicing tape they're cutting tape and putting stuff together so that's another thing that happens with this record is like you're hearing stuff people talk shit about Lars all the time they say well he's not a good drummer it's like yeah but he knows how to edit himself to make it sound like he is but it's like what you're also hearing is like what I'm getting at is is like people think that even well they think the whole band knew all these songs are going in the studio but even that these guys did it's like these guys started recording these songs and then bit by, like would they would take, okay, that, yeah, they would take together this concoction of a song where they never had ever, ever, ever played from beginning to end. That's just not like, because, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and so they figure out, okay, the, the verse is going to be this BPM, so we're going to record all that here. And it's just like, it's, it's more like um, building a house. It's, you know, it's, it's, or it's more like, as far as like, like art goes, it's more like, yeah, painting a picture as opposed to, taking one you know it's like exactly you're building it so it's like these guys would be there in for months and then this stuff took like i think this dude said he, he one day two or a day right one day it's yeah like, absolutely right it's like but when he came in to play bass it's like when they finally let him come down or whatever maybe he was there he would have been hearing for the first time ever how these songs actually went you know what i'm saying it's like this idea that like like People have this thing stuck in their mind of them all sitting in the same room and Jay, that no, that that never happened. It's like after they that's why they would say jokingly in interviews after they finished recording the album, they like, now we gotta learn how to play it because they never had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When people are always like, How come you never play uh Fred ends of sanity, man? It's like because you they never ever had ever. They didn't even play it all the way through in the studio. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm -hmm. that's like you take this section, like same thing with Dyer's Eve. It's like, how come they never plays Dyer's Eve? It's like because they can't because it never they never did like what you're hearing is this Lars punching himself like doing it okay let's just do the verses and he, so he can do this he's do, I can't do he's, like, he's doing da, 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 do the whole verse you know yeah. it's like and then mm -hmm. when he gets to the, he does it again it's like he didn't do that on in the 
yeah, no way in one take. No, it's like they did it piece by piece, put it together, and they're like, okay, that's cool. And then when these other du- dudes showed up, they were like, oh, we've never heard that song before. That's cool. All right. But it's like, but it's not like now you got to play on the whole thing with Kirk. With Kirk, it's like, nah, man, we'll just get to the solo section and play something here, right? It's like, mm-hmm. that's why he, like, you can see on that documentary in like year and a half, like people don't realize like that song, Nothing Else Matters, one of Metallica's biggest hits. Kirk doesn't play a note on that song. That's not all a James. single note. He didn't play. People think like, yeah, James played all the rhythm, then played the solo. So when that record came, it's like, that's like, you're listening to a three piece band really there. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. like this idea. It's like, so yeah, uh, I think people just uh, have like a kind of a misconception of how these records kind of had to be created for them to be, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's a misunderstanding, misinformation yeah. um, type uh, of thing. I'm not saying like I'm not saying, yeah, again, I'm not saying those other records aren't good, but it's like it's also by the time they get to justice, yes, because of Rick Rubin, um, basically inventing that sound, which is re- fuck reverb, man. It's like we need like people talk about like the early. And I don't think Venom's even like I wouldn't even consider Venom a thrash band. To me, it's different. But like that stuff's just drowning in re- that was the sound. Those first two Slayer records are just covered in, in his vote. It's just reverb, reverb, reverb. Mm-hmm. And then it's Rick like a Rubin Beach Boy like, song almost. <laughs> right. And when Rick Rubin is like no, like no reverb. And I know Andy Wallace, who was who engineered that stuff, kind of fought him on that, and even the band did. Because they weren't, you know, they weren't used to that. He was like, no, you don't get it. Like, this is going to sound better. You know, it's like the difference between those. You take one of those first two Slayer records and you take Rain and Blood. Try playing those in your car loud. You know, it's like the reverb stuff doesn't, it sounds terrible. Like, but when you put on Angel of Death, you can hit now the kick drum is, you know, the guitars are right there. When you put reverb on the guitars and all that stuff, that you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not, it's no good. Yeah, and not, it, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> no. that's my rant for now. All I got right now. Let's just. I'll, I'll say this though. I will say this. Like we were talking about, ride the lightning. Yeah, like in my opinion, if those same songs. Or you listen to those same songs the way that we played them live in 88, 89, even 91, like that Creeping Death version or that Fade to Black. Like, it, here's another thing why just this is better too. Um, they could, Lars was better. He could, he could play better by Justice, right? Mm-hmm. So when I talk about things where I can prove, it's like there's a, the first thing they did when they made this record. So they, they started this in January 88. They started with Mike Klink, the guy who... Appetite for Destruction. Appetite for Destruction, right? And um, the idea was, because Lars was infatuated, just thought that, that that record was the greatest, you know, and he, he idolized Axel, you know, he just thought they were really cool. Went out yeah. and got himself, yeah, that white leather jacket and all that stuff. And just, <laughs> yeah. he was so enamored with it that he actually talked James and those dudes into... They started with him. They recorded the record the same place they did the Black Album, which is a place... On Lancashire out in North One by One Studios. What what's that? It's called One by One Studios. One one on one was what it was called. Yeah, 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 yeah. The dudes in Blink 182, like it was right down the street from my where my studio was right off Lancashire. And I think the dudes in Blink 182 bought the building, but 
um, yeah, same place that they recorded the Black album. And um, uh, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I keep hearing this masturbating bird and it's throwing me off. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, when they record, so they start with Mike Klink, um, and then Mike Klink's you, you like he's cool because he realized now it's kind of different now once the box set came out because you see things but like up until recently there was this like kind of uh, it's a secret like you know you don't you know it's like showing people what's behind the curtain you know the idea that like but people want people want it's like they want to believe that like even Lars was able to play this song all the way through but he, he couldn't you know and he, he still can't to this day so when they do play this live he doesn't do the double kick through the verses because it's <laughs> fucking impossible to do, right? It's like yeah. he's like he, he they'll play it, but he's not doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's like which makes sense too, like the way you were describing like how it was pieced together, because for in the in the case of like um, Injustice for All, and I'm speaking to all the like music nerds out there, um, but like with like uh, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, and then obviously on Black Album going forward everything was more in a time signature, which is like four by four, which is like your typical like time signature. Right. But like with justice, like it would start with like a four, four by four, you know, a time signature. Then it would morph like into like seven by eight, 12 by like all these like weird time signatures and like listening to it. You're like, how the fuck is anybody able to do that? Like switch rhythmically, well, like on a dime. Didn't, what you're listening to is this is a perfect example. Right. The first time this happens on this record is like on Black End when they come out of the solo, they go into a part where Lars, okay, it's all, this is something where it's like they didn't even see that they didn't have it planned out going in to record the album. It's like a happy accident. These kind of things only happen when you record a tape, right? So it's like they cut the tape so that he's doing like as you can hear it a couple times where it's like all of a sudden it's like how could you go from being like on your hi hat to now where you're over here type of thing? You know, that it's like, mm -hmm. dude, that's impossible. But you could hear it when they come out of that solo, they go, and he goes, like that's one each of the, you're listening to these, these pieces that I think it's set in seven, eight, that they literally just splice in, in, that's why you've never, ever, ever heard them play that section coming out of that solo like it is on the album because they never did play it that way. You know what I'm saying? It's like he, he recorded it 20 different times and then they took these pieces and made it work by splicing and taping the, mm -hmm. the, the, the reel together. So he did this performance that didn't is impossible to play or that he never thought of playing. It just was a happy accident, right? Yeah. So, and it, and. The thing is, because it's an off-time thing, they have to go from that time signature back into 4-4. Four, four. Mm -hmm. The way that it, it flips back into it, so it goes from that, that, and then it goes into yeah. that last verse, smaller indicate, right? It's like, it just comes like magically like on the one. Yeah. It never, when you watch them play it live, when they get to that part, watch anything from like 88, 89 live, when they get there, they're all like hovering around the, the, like the, the drum riser because it's like, oh shit. And Lars is just <laughs> instead of doing that fill, he just they all just kind of go and smolder it because it's like you know it's 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 a, you're hearing something that's like yeah like that was never performed that way. So I'm not saying that doesn't make Lars a shitty drummer. Mm. It's just I think it's cool. Like it's I think it's kind of cooler that he did that stuff. You know, 
But that's what's interesting about that isn't why I say like Metallica and Slayer, kind of the apples and oranges of it. What Lombardo did to the whole thrash thing was he actually could play that shit like that yeah. way. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's not when you're listening to like, yeah, Angel of Death or whatever, even like that stuff. Like, and I got to watch, I got, we got to do shows with Slayer years ago, and I got to sit on the drum riser and watch him. He didn't eat, like, dude, most bands or a lot of bands have these things called triggers on, on the drums so they can tickle, yeah, kick drum stuff. None of that, man. Like, he's just, just, he's, he's, he's just some, he's an outlier. He's a 1%. Like, right. Whatever, it's yeah. like, so th that's what's crazy about this stuff is like, what's interesting is when nobody knew for years and years that this was kind of not fake because it's not it's great it's a great piece of art but that it's like dude lars can't even play that way so you've got kids now in their garages or whatever trying to be as but it's like i mean on one hand it's like oh that's kind of weird or sad because you can't ever play that way it's literally impossible even the guy that you think that you're trying to be like can't couldn't do it you know but like it makes these like super drummers in a way now because like you know what i'm saying it's like and Lombardo is probably the first iteration of that where it's like he even he's like, dude, this we were listening to Ride the Lightning all the you know, kill them all constantly, you know. So he thinks in his head the way that those records, even even like, yeah, like some of the, the double bass kick drum stuff, like on Fight Fire with Fire and that kind of stuff. It's like, dude, Lars didn't play that, but he thinks <laughs> that he did. So now he's trying to, to because it's a like it's a it's an arms race, you know, at that point. It's, it's yeah, like, fuck, we gotta keep one upping each other. So now he's got he's in his fucking practice space and like because he doesn't you know it's like yeah he's got to do that but keep up with the competition or stay up with the competition so it's like it's interesting how it works in that way like where like that's the case with like yeah with, when I say Beatles and the Stones where it's like or other bands like everyone's pushing each other like Dylan be like who's gonna have the best like the way that the Beach Boys push the Beatles like. Sergeant Pepper doesn't happen if it isn't them that trying sounds. to outdo the Beach Boys, right? Or, you know, whatever doesn't, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's, uh, but it's, it's not an arms race in the sense of it being a big four because it wasn't like anthrax. Sound, not to sound super shitty, Metallica and definitely Slayer were not listening to the new Megadeth Testament <laughs> Exodus records of being like, fuck, we really need to outdo that. Sorry. Yeah. That's just not the way it was. It, everybody was, dude, 86, when Rain and Blood and Puppets came out, it was like, it's either, you know, we're trying to do that. It's, it's really like, when you, when you break it down, that whole sound comes down to one person, right? It's not even a Metallica's band. It's James Hetfield's rhythm, right hand shit. Yeah, sounds sick. And on, by Justice, you're hearing like eight of him at once. And it's ridiculous, and that's what what you want to hear, and that's why what makes it good. No, if it could it could be Cliff Burton, it could be fucking Jimi Hendrix playing bass on this record. <laughs> I don't give it doesn't matter. I don't want to hear it because it takes away from like you know what I'm saying. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's, pro play on this. who's probably the best rhythm guitar player in metal history? I would say. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, but um. 
one thing I want to touch on too is, is like that's the technical aspect of it, but like the emotional aspect of Injustice for All as well. Like that's one thing like I like kept going back to because another difference is yeah, the sound of Injustice for All is way different than anything you know they had done you know before or even after, but like the technical like just how like complex like those songs are like the songwriting of it is, and I think a lot of it has to do with it's just like the death of Cliff Burton, like who was Absolutely. like a brother for them. And Kurt or not Kurt, uh, Lars is on, you know, record as saying that, like, you know, it wasn't even five minutes after, you know, Cliff's funeral that like we went to work and like and they went to uh, Lars's house. Like, I believe it was like in El Cerrito and uh, James and Lars, like for four months, they were just hammering out songs and they just like threw themselves into their work. And they were like, you know what, we're just kind of went into like a manic depressive where it's just like, you know, they should have went to therapy. They should have, you know found completion you know for you know their their grief but what they did is they just fucking tried to make the most complex songs that they could where it's just like uh, the song for injustice for all is like goddamn near 10 minutes it has like all these complex like guitar parts and shit and it's just like like you said it's just one dude like pouring everything all of his grief and all of his suffering even from his past like with his dad and his mom and that whole christian science upbringing and shit just pouring everything into his art and i think whoa like when you look at that from that perspective it even makes like that art even more beautiful i completely agree and i will expand upon that thought because that is another that's a huge reason of 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 why i think as if you want to get into the justice versus even all the earlier stuff it's like it's the first album where there's nothing to be embarrassed about lyrically okay because even on puppets even though you like dude there's turds on, you know, and that's a huge <laughs> reason why Ride the Lightning isn't as good as it could be because you've got Escape on there. And like, don't get me, you know, it's like turds. But like, by Master of Puppets, he's still writing song. The thing that should not be is about some fucking monster that lives under the ocean. Like, who gives a yeah, fuck? Yeah, right? like, that is, that, that I will agree with you both. It's, that's, that's, it's this, about stupid shit. Like, dude. The Call of Cthulhu. It, that's Phantom bigger. Lord. I mean, it's not as bad. Okay, like. Kill them all. It's like super, like, and they've got an excuse. Those are crazy, embarrassing lyrics in a lot of places, right? Like fucking metal militia, and it, it's, you know, like, it's cartoon. Because we're Metallica. It's just like, okay, you know, <laughs> but by like Ride the Lightning and like Master Puppets, it's still that, like, and I understand the, the age that they are too. It's like 21, they hadn't 22. Completely found themselves. He, James specifically, hadn't found his voice, right? So it's like, you're writing songs about like, oh, we we're watching, yeah, the Ten Commandments or whatever. It's like, whatever's like, sounds scary, you know. It's like, and puppets, yeah, we got a song about a thing that lives under the ocean, and then like another song about like uh, friends, you know. Then your your bass player and close friend dies, and dude, the lyrics on Justice are way better. It's like they're way, but you can tell they're coming from a more personal place where it's like, this is what I feel, especially the Dyer's Eve and that kind of stuff. Where it's like, instead of just like, I'm going to sing this song about this imaginary monster or something. No, it's (laughs) like, you can tell like these guys are like, have a, of course, they're devastated. They they don't completely realize how much because their friend just fucking died in front of them. And it's dark as fuck. Yeah. But it's also really good, right? There's not a single stupid like metal trope, you know, it's like, well, there are in terms of like, they're happy because everyone ripped this shit off afterwards, but it's like, 
all the other bands, you know, like whether it's not a knockout, but whether it's Slayer or they are, are going deep in on all the, all the like, yeah, the just like stereotypical whatever. These guys are talking about stuff that's just like kind of like make uncomfortable. Like Fred and Sandy is like, is very Going honest and, and can make people uncomfortable. You know, Harvester of Sorrow. Like, and even though you've got one just a song about, you know, hypothetically, a, a, you know, a dude, a World War One um, situation or whatever the fuck, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, you'd still just totally it makes you it. think. It makes you think because yeah. it's just like, the whole thing about one, I mean, yeah, it's a killer ass fucking song. Like that's, in my opinion, like I, I teeter on like, oh, that might be my favorite song of all time. But yeah. like when you really get into it, you really sit there. I was doing the dishes the other day and like you hear one so many times that it's just like, it, it just becomes like whatever. Right. Yeah. But I'm doing their dishes the other day and I'm listening to one. I'm like, oh, wow. Like really think about it. You go, you go to war, you land on a landmine or whatever, right? It yeah. takes away your sight, takes away your speech, takes away your hearing, takes away all of your senses. You got no arms, you got no legs. You're just, you're, you're just existing yeah. and you're in your own personal hell. And then you, you go into that, like, oh, wow. Like that is like literally like the scariest fucking thing ever. And then yeah. fast forward to like the music video, they up into that point, like for like 10 years, they had not made a music video and they make probably one of the best music videos of all time. Absolutely. And it ends with, you know, and they bought the rights to that whole movie just to make Absolutely. the music video. That's fucking crazy. But like it ends with like this entity just laying in darkness in Morris code, like tapping, just kill me. And it's just like, fuck, like that is like, it's giving me goosebumps just thinking about it. Like who fucking, who goes from writing like about like a fucking monster living under the right. ocean to like yeah. writing about this like fucking crazy thing right. and like that monster under the ocean thing was written by hp lovecraft was which is like one of like the right. horror genre's biggest names or whatever right but this thing over here about one is right. more scarier than the fucking monster that's living Man, in the ocean right it's it's one of those things where it's like and a like 25 year old did that like yeah absolutely and, and you're talking about a song where it's like it's so ingrained in us because we've seen the video we've heard the song so many times that you almost take it for granted but like I'm telling you, like, man, I was a kid at that time. If you could have been a fly on the wall the first time the dudes in Megadeth or Slayer or Anthrax put that on, heard that song, it's like you're starting with this, like, slow, like, ballad-type song, right? Mm -hmm. And then it progressed, and it's like the whole progression of it and the movement of it and the, how it goes from this into this section and then the middle section, right, with the double-kick stuff. And then after that, it goes into a full-on, it's like, Nobody like was doing anything like that shit, man. Like, and mm -hmm. as good as that, it's like, yeah, there were people who were kind. Like, I'm mean, Dave Mustaine could go red in the face about how he was doing that, and yeah, but it wasn't good, dude. You know, like one is a fucking total. That's, that's especially when they knew that that was gonna they were gonna make a video for that shit. It's like for a, like seven, eight, however long, how long is that song? I think seven, seven minutes, minutes and twenty three seconds. Like, and it's like. It's that's weird music, man. When you really think about it, it's a <laughs> weird song, right? Especially to be a single. It's like, like it ends up being. It starts and it, oh, this is some pussy shit, right? And it ends up being like this fucking crazy thrash out thing. It's that was completely unprecedented for, for that time. And mm -hmm. there's a reason why. If, if people didn't, when people talk shit on how this sounds now, it's like, well, at the time, no one said there's none because it's like Pantera, the you know. 
comes out and everything they do is basically like homeboy's drum sound it, it's mimic this production style you know what i'm saying right. it's like everybody was trying to make stuff sound like this now like by the time they make the black album when they're not when you're not doing double you know he's Lars made a decision you can tell where it's like, I'm not going to do any double kick. There's no, there's not a single double kick part on the black album. Mm-hmm. There's not a single thrash, like none of that, right? So when you, when you don't do that and you're now like, okay, we're not a thrash metal band. Now we're a heavy metal band. Absolutely. You can put the bass up, right? That's why the bass sounds good, loud and Sabbath and shit like mm-hmm. that, because it's not, you know what I'm saying? You don't need the clicky drums and the, the, the guitar stuff isn't what it's it's going it's not about that um the aesthetic synchronization and that kind of stuff like it um but for that type for this type brash metal music it the bass is it's like saying it it, it's, it doesn't it who cares you know it's, it's like saying that there isn't any you can't hear the tuba or what like you know or like <laughs> well there's no kazoo on justice so it's no good it's like why would there need to be kazoo you know there's there, well there's no viol whatever the fuck it is. It's like, yeah, who cares? There's no bass, you know, it's like, there's, there's, there's no Kirk Hammett on there either, you know? Yeah. Like, and I'm a big soul. Kirk Hammett fan. I, I, that's how Me I, too. I'm a huge Kirk. Like, I'm not talking like, dude, that may, like, that's the other thing is like, I'm not trying to sound detrimental to any of these fellows whatsoever. Cause they're like, mm-hmm. another hot take I have on it is, or I think fact is that Metallica was not good live or at least as good they hadn't hit their peak yet until 88, 89. Mm-hmm. So all like, dude, I challenge anybody to find like a good soundboard live recording of them with Cliff. That's like, oh, that's the shit that can even vaguely with like this type of stuff, right? By, by, by 89, like that Seattle thing. It's like, they're a machine. A lot of that has to do with it's different things. It's like, Jason Newstead does not get enough credit for how good they are. They were as a live band, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and his backups to his, his vocal stuff. But it's like, he held that shit down. A lot of that is, it's not, that's not because Jason's better than, than Cliff. It, a lot, it's, most of it's Lars. And that, and that comes from, and I can relate to this, where it's like, they just hadn't had the, the experience of getting that kind of stage time and, and, and doing shows long enough where you get to that place. Like, if you're doing like, an hour and a half, two hours every night for months and months. Like that's when you really, really get good. You know, it's like the reps. Like, I think yeah. of those tours where like, like with nails where it's like, if like the first four or five months, you're like, you're good, you know, and you're passable, but the audience can't really notice, but you know, but when you hit that, like it's a physical conditioning thing. It's just like with sports, how basketball players talk about it, mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh shit, you're not short on breath anymore. And like, we've played these songs now over and over and it's different because you're headlining. So it's like, instead of opening for Ozzy or whatever on the puppets tour, it's like where you only get half hour, 45 minutes and the sound sucks because you're the opening. It's like, no, you've got your own crew for that shit. You've got your own techs. And now it's like, because when you're doing it the same way, every fucking night for a long, like a longer time, you get good. So they didn't really, really get good live until 88, 89. Really? That's, like I'm just, that's just the way it is, man. Like any of the earlier stuff, it's sloppy. Lars isn't as good. They're not in shape enough to really play. And some they're drunk as fuck. Yeah, alcoholica. <laughs> as cool as Cliff is, he's also high a lot of the time, and it's just he's out there, and they're just it's not good, man. It's like you know, it's like 
I'm glad you said that because like as a huge Metallica Metallica fan, I always felt I always felt that way. Like when I'd get my hands like on live recordings from like, oh, shit, this is from like the Master of Puppets era. Like, ooh, I happened upon like gold here. And then I listened to it and I'm like, oh, wow, that's probably the last time I'll be listening to that because it's like bad. Right. You'll find stuff where it's not bad. It's just like when they put out like um, I've got the, the Puppets box set. Right. And they pick like. Yeah, the best show. I, like another thing too, Lars needs to get a lot of credit for these box sets that he's put together. Like, like he's housing Guns and Roses and anybody else. You know, like, like, like the Appetite box set is a piece of shit, right? Because like, <laughs> you can tell the band isn't involved whatsoever. And it's like, as a fan, I'm like, they didn't. There's stuff that's missing where it's like, why are the fuck? Like, here's the whole fucking studio session of this that we did the demo session at whatever. But it's like, well, yeah, but. You also did Don't Cry at that session. It's the you even put it on the B side of the Don't Cry. Why would you not put that on there? Either you don't want to pay Izzy or you're like it's bad. Stupid, right? yeah. It's like it just not, doesn't have everything. Lars, like, like yeah, he 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 bottom of the barrels. He goes through every last thing, and 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 it proves too with with the puppet stuff where it's like the live stuff. Just even the best sounding stuff. Them at their best in that era. I'm not saying it's bad. It's it's good, and they're still better than the other metal or thrash bands. But it's not as good as they were. They got to be, and that's mm-hmm. not because Newstead's better than Cliff. Because Cliff would have gotten there with them. When it's like there's something like in Nails, like for example, where you're touring with your your, your own stage, even. So it's like those are your monitors that you use every night, and the same monitor guy, and the same front of house guy, and the same text. So it's like I can close my eyes, I mean, and I know that this. The space from my amp to the mic is is this many paces, and everything sounds the same. Whether you're in Indianapolis or you're in Dallas or whether you're in Oakland, that's when you get good, 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 good. And that doesn't happen until '89. Yeah, and like, and it kind of peaks, in my opinion. Like you watch like Moscow '91, mm-hmm. like the way, like listen to like, dude, Fade to Black in Moscow, for example, houses the album version of Fade to Black. I agree with you on that. Creeping record. Death houses the version of the Creeping Death on, on you know what I'm saying? It's like those songs, like in my opinion, Creeping Death is probably my favorite Metallica. It's, it's got, it might, I can even go as far as maybe saying it's the greatest Metallica song, right? But like, it's fair to but, say. Um, they didn't like for, the, for a lot of that earlier stuff, they didn't listen to like them playing No Remorse like on the puppets to, or early. It's like fast and sloppy and shit. When they realized like, oh, if we like, and another thing, yeah, there's a lot of cocaine and stuff involved. I'm sort of, <laughs> if, if Lars did a bunch of blow before the show, like they're playing too fast, right? Yeah. It's like early on, they don't realize, like, dude, like we have to, like, they hadn't figured it out yet because they hadn't done it. It's like, whether it's stand up or whatever, you have to, like, like, yeah, fuck, man. When I was in a band, this band, called it, we didn't figure out to, like, our, around the time we made our first album, you know, like, what the fuck our thing even was you know it's like that's after we've been doing it for four or five years right it's like it takes a while but it's like and it's not that the early stuff isn't good because it's great but it's also you know kill them all also has something like jump in the fire sorry you know like um i i, I even go without hit the lights i could go without a lot of that stuff but um uh yeah like like you were saying like just like thematically like and here's the other thing too. It's like I will admit, like the one thing that Puppets has over any other Metallic record that is the best 
like like title track of Master of Puppets. The song is better than Justice for All the song or Ride the Lightning. This, you know what I'm saying? It's like the best second. It's and that's what I think sways people's opinions because that song is so badass yeah. that it make you kind of maybe kind of think the album's better than this. But it's like think of it in this way: it's like is is a uh, is battery better than blacking? No. no. Master Puppets is better than Justice for All, but Justice for All isn't a bad song. But then it goes into the thing that should not be. I'm sorry, like, cool riff, <laughs> you know? Bam, bam. But it's about, that song's about four minutes too long, right? It's like, there's a reason they don't really play it that much. Because <laughs> it's, it, it's not as good. And then Sanitarium, not a bad song, right? Is it as good as Fade to Black? No. Is it as good as One? No. Absolutely not, right? So as far as that, like, they, you know, Lars has talked about it where it's like they fell into this like, you know, pattern or, or whatever or tradition where it was like, yeah, you had, you know, the, the ballad that closes side one. And then we, you know what I'm saying? It's like, so it was whether it was, yeah, Fade to Black or Sanitarium. Yeah, the fourth song on side one was going to be the like slow pussy song or whatever, for lack of a better <laughs> term, right? And like Fade to Black is pretty unfuckwithable. Like it put a gun to my head and fade to black versus one right it's apples and oranges though but they're both great songs right but like um one is like as far as like just pushing the genre forward like it's artistically fucking yeah it's the metal ridiculous. version of like bohemian rap city or something like that yeah that's but yeah it's done just like and it's something that they never really would because it's like yeah like you're, you're you're listening to them at the apex of being a thrash band and doing that approach where we make these records with this European dude, right? Where we do it piece by piece. And we, in that way, where it's this way where we're like, we don't even let the bass player or the lead guitar player show up until like two or three months in, right? <laughs> it's like, and I, I know that, yeah, because that, that, but that's the same way it was done when Cliff was in the band too. You know, it's like, that's, that's and it's like, uh, it doesn't mean that Cliff wasn't the best. He's still, yeah, he's still the greatest bass player and all that blah 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 but um um as far as like when they found like oh like justice is the first record where it's like as far as a threat where it's like whatever sound they had in their head even if they didn't know like that's it right like that's like it's like oh shit if we take this reverb off yeah it's like and where james is the first time where it's like oh i don't have to like like you know stretch as far as like you know like last minute running oh and fuck i need words for this song what should it be about it's about a fucking Monster. Place of an asylum or crazy, whatever the fuck. You know, he's like, no, I know exactly what the fuck I want to write about. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, there's something, whereas this sounds maybe a little too detrimental, where this is the first album where it doesn't seem like they're, pre- they're not pretending to be anything. You know, it's like they don't have to pretend to be or pose in any, not that they were, po- you know, like that we're into dark stuff. It's like, dude, you just are dark. You know, it's like when your friend dies, and you go through all this gnarly shit wherever you are, just the way they even look in groups, it's like there's something that, you know, like they're a little more jovial, like or something. There's there's a youthful like innocence in those first three records, right? That's just gone by this. You know, and it's like, and they're also just start, yeah, they're at the age here where yeah, you I got to experience that. That's another thing I got to experience. Yeah, think Icarus line is when you're like 20, 20s, early 20s, mid 20s. And you you get to that point where your body is like fuck, man. It's like, yeah, you you, you don't you don't really have to sleep if you don't want it or whatever. It's like, and you're in physical shape and you can you can sing and hit the notes and all that shit and 
play for a two hour set and it's like no fucking thing, you know, it's like, that's some shit, right? And that kind of all hits at this time, you know, and it's, it's sad that Cliff wasn't there to be a part of it because that would have been some incredible shit to see Cliff live with a drummer who actually knows now how to pace himself and not, whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, what up? So, come on, man. You guys got to give me some, give me something to disagree with. I, so you made a really good point on uh on masters of puppets yeah. uh, i'm sorry um Ma- ride the lightning has always been my personal favorite album i've, I've yeah. said that if somebody needed me to show them what metal was i would always show them ride the lightning because i think it covers so many bases of of different styles of metal that bleed into things now like prog metals in there thrash metals in there like there's just so many elements that you know like things that mastodon or gojira are doing today that's all from in my opinion from ride the lightning correct and so that's why i always go back to that album this album is always interesting to me just and i do love this album don't get me wrong but we had here in bakersfield we had this thing the same same as you you brought up mandatory metallica we used to have mandatory metallica here on our local radio station at like 9 p.m every night yeah, and I remember hearing songs from this album and thinking like, "Oh, that must have been from like their first album," just because it was so low on bass. It was so different. It, it sounded yeah. younger. It sounded faster. It sounded like does the song one sounds like yeah. the, the ending of it is just super like yeah. much more fast paced than yeah. things that were on 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 Ride the Lightning. Right. It, it it just sounds more brutal, more raw. So I was like, oh, that's that's in my head. I was like, that's that's them young, I guess. And then they evolved into Ride the Lightning. Right, and it's it's the they... it's the other way around. And it's just it, it blew my mind later on when I knew more about Metallica. And I was like, oh, shit, that was like early Metallica. This is Metallica now. And like they're more raw now. I, I can see the beauty in both of them. I, I mean, when I talk about Ride, Ride the Lightning, I, I think about it more as a this is the blueprint to metal. Like this is, you have to get to this level and go forward. Absolutely. And, and that's like, like you were saying, cause that was, yeah, regardless, even though now to me and I'm a, and I'm a total snob about, it, yeah, it's like, there's a little too much reverb, but like at that time, like, yeah, like when you hear Lombardo even talking about ride the lightning where it's like, that was that, that blew people's fucking minds. Right. Mm-hmm. Nothing sounded like that. And like, it is, to me, like, yeah, if I, if I could, like, yeah, do some sort of, like, yeah, dream world revisionist history, it's like, you know, and I could, like, have the kind of, uh, you know, say uh, with the band or it's like I could get them to reconsider the track. Like, if you could put Creeping Death to open that record, you know, and I know a lot of, like, if you go Creeping Death into For Whom the Bell Tolls, like, they would do live, for, you know, and then, you yeah. know, like, that album, you would have the best side at fucking ever, right? Like, um talking about that right like for whom the bell tolls is a is an example of a song where it's like you're listening you're hearing a song where you listen to that album version that they had never like they wrote in the studio on the spot right so cliff had been playing that part that but that's all they had in the studio they're like that's so cool we'll write a song around that the problem with that is, is now like they start playing live when they start to play it live and they realize like that that studio version is way too slow right Listen to the tempo of when they play it. Yeah, eighty-nine to ninety and forward. It's just it's it's better because they finally figured out like you know like oh this is the way the song should sound. You know, there's nothing on Justice like that. The, the songs never had to be 
grown into really you know there's a couple things like the way that Lars plays Harvester of Sorrow is different like like he 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 even yeah he simplified it more it's like there's a he's the kick drum part on Harvester's do do good that do good that and now he just goes do that do that I noticed because when you're playing to seventy thousand people you know like that just sounds better and heavier it's this is too much you know it's like um but yeah like um and again i don't think it's a perfect record either like in my opinion this is the worst instrumental i I could do without to live is to die to be Mm. honest like it's definitely no orion you know it's like orion is the best that's another thing that makes puppets a a great you know record i think it's is that orion is the best instrumental in my opinion of all of them right and that's because i agree cliff right absolutely 100 percent and to be perfectly honest, also, I could probably do without Dyer's Eve. Because to me, Dyer's Eve is very is just reactionary. It's them like, oh fuck, like you would have like this, you know, you're like been listening to to Rain and Blood now for a couple of years and, and you're like scared that these guys are now the new king. Like you just got butt fucked in the face by this guy Lombardo. What <laughs> like, the fuck? say, I gotta have a song where I gotta prove that, you know, it's like even though we'll just like never pl- whatever it is. It's just, those last yeah. two tracks I could do without, but the rest of the record is not a single turd. It's not like, yeah, Escape or, you know, what Phantom Lord's okay, but it's just kind of like, it's like a, it's like a throwaway wannabe motorhead kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, which is like, know, the, like the MO there. I, I, I will say this too, like, and Justice for All is an album that for, a while, for the first couple of times I listened to it, it was like, oh, yeah, I really like Blackened One and Harvester of Sorrow, but eh, I could do without all these other songs because yeah. Justice for All, like the song in Justice for All, again, is 10 minutes, and you're like, it it doesn't get started until like minute three. You know, by right. most pop songs are already done by then, right? You're moved yeah, on yeah. to the next Justin Timberlake song or whatever, right? But like the, you know, playing, like for a while, what I would do is like every Friday night, like after I'd get home from work, you know, instead of like going out, you know, with friends or whatever, or even doing homework in college, like I would just sit there and like learn like a new riff and like, I'd always like revisit injustice for all. And you would find like new nuggets in there, you know, like, you know, like a new guitar solo, you know, that I didn't really appreciate by Kurt or like, you know, a crazy riff, like when, you know, freight ends a sanity or, you know, or I have the beholder. It's just like, Oh wow, this is so badass! And you like grow into like, I Beholder is one of those songs to me. I found this like super like, high quality version of that song where like the effect that's on his voice that's on that song yeah it is like way ahead of its time yeah. like that the fact that that song is as brutal as it is and he has that effect on his voice there's bands today like there's a band called four stroke baron that's out and like they do stuff like that now and it's like that came out way back then and you tell like it, it was just really ahead of its time oh it really was like even the intro to blackened like that's like that blew my mind that that was played backwards because i learned that like every guitar part because there's like six guitars like harmonizing or whatever i think it is and so i remember like having like a very primitive like you know recording thing that i like recorded into my computer learning that version or whatever right and then thinking like then learning like oh fuck they recorded something totally different and then reversed it and then you listen to that version like wow, that's just as beautiful as the fucking intro that lands on the tape. And it's just like, holy fuck. There's there's, that, there's a riff that in Freight Ends, like that comes in after the solo, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, 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 
where it's just like that is the sickest riff dude that one riff alone destroys everything on puppets i'm sorry mm-hmm. like that's like dude or dude sort of straw is fucking heavy as fuck man like that guitar solo right there dude. like that's a that's um because i don't know if many people know this but uh kurt hammett took guitar lessons from joe satriani yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people that like to hate on Kirk Hammett think, say like, oh, he does the same thing over and over again. Why doesn't he implement things that he's learned from Joe Satriani? Well, you listen to that fucking solo that's on there. And it's just like he's he's basically outperformed. The student became the master yes. at that point, because at that point forward, like Kirk Hammett's better than Joe Satriani, in my opinion. And, and to feed into that, like, dude, that's another argument that drives me nuts is the Mustaine versus Hammett argument. Even on, dude, even on the songs like where it's like you listen to No Life to Leather or whatever, the demo versions that Mustaine did, like Kirk will take things that that dude did even and integrate those. He's like, dude, Mustaine's just like, new, new, he's doing the like, look at how fast I can play. Yes. And he's yeah. noodling and he's doing things where it's in the wrong key. It's more the Slayer approach where it's just like, like you know, those guys are just like, and it's like, Noodling. Kirk Hammett makes every solo like his. It's like a song in itself, right? Yes. Where it's like, yes, perfect. His best, in my opinion, the solo on the Unforgiven is the best thing like ever. Where it's like, he just takes the song. It's cool, but it's like his solo on that is like it's his own fucking composition, right? But um, like yeah, like his he, like even though he's not playing the rhythm or whatever in the song, yeah, like um, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kurt gave me that pick personally. Like I saw them in San Jose. Yeah. And uh, you, you said the Unforgiven is the best solo of all time. Yeah. After he got done playing that solo with this pick, I'm sitting there, you know, just like mimicking him, doing whatever I was doing to catch his attention or whatever, right? He just reaches out and gives me this pick. And then, like, this forever is like going to be like one of my most prized heirlooms right here. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, and I, here's one more. My last, like, I can prove it and probably. My best I can prove this argument thing is okay. <laughs> so we were talking about when they were originally recorded with Mike Clink, and Mike Clink ended up he did uh, track the drums for Short of Straw and Harvester and stuff. But before that, like Metallica did this thing where they would like starting with puppets actually, they didn't where they, they continued for a long time was to kind of warm up being in the studio, they would record a couple covers, right? So it was like so that they could kind of get the sounds all dialed in. And just kind of get loose and comfortable and whatever, right? So the way what they did when they when they first went in for this, right? The first thing they did was they did Bread Fan and they did a song called The Prince, which is another Diamond Head cover, right? Now what people didn't know at the time though was they did the same thing for Puppets, where first thing they did was they recorded two covers, but it's the only time they never released them. They recorded the Fame cover, which is a song called The Money Will Grow Wide In, and they covered same song they did for Justice, The Prince, right? So you can actually listen to, but they didn't finish either one because I think they realized that it wasn't, I don't know, who knows, whatever the real reason is. But you can hear on the box set for Puppets, and it's on the internet too. So search for the uh, version of the Prince from Master of Puppets, and, and then listen to the version from Justice. And Lars, it's so, dude. He, he 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 sounds so much better and improved. The he just, the Justice version just completely destroys the Puppets version. Like, sorry, but that's you know it's just the, it's just the <laughs> fucking way. It's just like you can I can you can prove right there. It's like well here's his chops or his or his approach. 
here and then here's two years later you know what i'm saying it's like and it's it's massive right it's it's better you know it's like and i'll say this about lars too like um i always hear the same thing like oh lars is such a shitty drummer lars this lars that and i feel i mean yeah i've heard dave lombardo is probably like my favorite drummer of all time and rightfully so like you said he's he's basically a super soldier right he's the winter soldier right yeah. or the red soldier <laughs> or summer soldier, whatever you want to say but um lars though like he is the most interesting drummer i've ever heard because he doesn't do that whole ACDC thing where it's just like, it's just, you're just, con- it's, it might as well just be a metronome where it's just like, pump, 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 pump. it's always like something interesting. And I always like kept that like with me, like that thought, like, well, yeah, I like Lars just because like his drumming so interesting. Like he's not just there just to keep time. Like he's there to add like extra sounds to it. He's there to add to the, add to the gumbo, if you will. It's not just there just to keep time. And then, I was watching these like YouTube videos cause I bought my baby like a little like blues clues, like drum set, you know, like, cause he's into music and shit. So I was like, Hey, start him young, get that shit going. And I'm always been a guitar player. So I don't know nothing about drums. So I was just like, well, let me look up some like YouTube videos and like, you know, try to show my baby, like how to drum on this, like blues clues, like drum set or whatever. Right. And so I'm watching, like, it's like this super like nerdy, like, drum dude or whatever and he's listening to like metallica for the very first time and you can tell like he's had like classical training you know in drumming and whatnot and so they play like the track for him and he's like you know mimicking like like air drumming to the song and he's like okay and like you can see like he's going to do something and then like lars does something else like on tape and he's like oh wow that was really interesting all that wow i never would have thought that and he's like oh wow i like that like and then he plays like his version like you know the 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 music theory version of it or whatever like how it should be right and it just sounds like shit because there's no soul to it yeah you're playing like the music theory of it like the timekeeping version of it but it just sounds like a robot playing to it and then like he goes back and he plays how lars played and goes okay i can see why he did that instead of this because it it adds more color to the song and i've always held that opinion like so when people say lars is a shitty drummer i always push back with that train of thought especially on this album too like injustice for all but even if here's the thing though yeah it's like let's say hypothetically which it's not true but if you if, if you're like okay lars is shitter okay he is a shitter but here's the thing it's like he's an awesome producer engineer whatever because it's like you you realize the more you you look into it and stuff and and uh read between the lines or whatever see behind the curtain i'm not i've been around these dudes enough to like see behind the curtain a little bit you know like and, I, and I'm not completely trying to blow their whole magic trick thing, but it's like um, um, you realize it's Lars's band, you know, and that Lars is like makes way more decisions than people think he that like, you know, it's like, um, yeah, it's 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 James is the main songwriter and stuff, you know, but if Lars is the driving engine of the whole thing, right? It's like and and um, the the when you realize like oh like the kind of um, editing and, the, and decisions that they were making making these records these records are so much harder to make like you would never sit in the studio these days and just do drum tracks for three months like for the black you know it's like it's, it's like half a year you know it's just the amount of time that is put into it to make it sound like maybe that he's better than he, that's but that's what you're trying that's what everyone's trying to do you know it's like that's why you you, you mix the records and it's like who cares whether or not he, you know, like who gives a fuck? Stuff's better, you know. It's like it sounds better, you know. It's like yeah, I don't it's care. It's the end like, result. 
I don't care how what it took for them to get there. I just want to have something that sounds sick in my my car, you know. Whatever. Hell but, yeah! Yeah, like, um, yeah, um, and and I'm not. And again, I don't. I think uh, Slayer is like such a big and yes, like, part of it is even though they weren't trying to compete like like musically with Megadeth or Anthrax or those types of bands, they did want to show those dudes what the fuck was up. Some, you know, every once in a while, you got to swing your dick around, you know, it's like, <laughs> and justice is kind of like that is the be all end all where it's like, okay, here's the, the apex of the right. nine minute songs, the crazy time signatures shit. That's like literally yeah, impossible for them to even duplicate live, you know, but it's like, who cares? Cause it's fucking, it's like that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's the ultimate mic drop because after that, I mean, Slayer kept going absolutely. down their road, and after a while, it just became like a self parody. Um, what were you gonna do? How are you gonna top that? Like, if they they didn't if they didn't make the black if they didn't go with doing a record with Bob Rock and 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 doing the black album, trying to top this with like Megadeth would have tried and you know, did. It's like that's why like those guys kind of fell into like they painted themselves into a corner where it's just like you know like yeah you can't top that. So it's like yeah, but. They just topped everybody with it and then said, we're just going to not be a thrash band anymore, but yeah, we'll play the songs. But, you know, it's like, we're going to make a record where I don't even use double kick, you know, and there's no, you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And to me, like, that's why Metallica has always been like my favorite band, just because it's from album to album, they're never the same band. Like even, right. I mean, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets have kind of like this like a more similar yeah. you know to, but but they're, they're different records absolutely. but every record is always like okay we're gonna do something different we're gonna yeah, do something absolutely. different we're gonna do something even if they fall flat on their face like saint anger you know yeah. like or you know you know lulu you know it's like it's like have you ever right. listened to lulu did we go through if you listen to lulu has anyone here so, has anyone I've, ever listened to stanger all the way through i've only listened <laughs> to lulu once the end. and I, I actually like in hindsight i don't think it's as bad as saint anger it's it's an interesting concept mm-hmm. i don't think it's as bad as saint anger saint anger my issue with saint anger is that it clearly sounds like oh new metal is popular let's do our version of new metal uh like that whole like slipknot drum can type of sound it's like let's do that and that to me is just kind of like come on guys like it does seem a little bit like old man I'm trying to fit honest, in with the young like, guys like it's terrible because i can't think of any band well, I can maybe a couple actually where it's like that I where I've listened to like puppets or these were kill them all right lighting millions of times, you know, but I've never I, I I have Lulu, you know, or someone it was, you know, I didn't pay for it, but uh, it's like <laughs> I've never listened to it once. And I've, I, I also got St. Stanger uh, <laughs> for free. I, I got up that Invisible Kid song, whatever the fuck, and was like, nope, you know, it's like, Fine. and I to this day, for a band that I like that much to not even want, you know, it's like invisible keys. I want to say it is. I want to burn is invisible keys. Invisible keys. Like what the fuck, dude? Like, like, what's the song? There was some song where he starts like, ee, like, like doing some weird emo, like, like <laughs> voice even... thing or like. I was. This is on Saint Anger. Yeah, I think uh, so. I, I know on Frantic he does this thing where he's like. He takes his voice to like a much higher octave and he's like, Frank, yeah. and it's like, what yeah. the hell was that? Yeah, he's straining at that point. Yeah, they should have reined it in a little bit. <laughs> I thought it was cool. What I did think of, like it was cool about um when they did that death magnetic record that they did get Rick Rubin. It was the mm. so it was like, oh, let's see what happened. and he was adamant. He's like, dude, 
forget this fucking watered down pussy logo. You know, it's like bring back the real font. And it's like yeah. he made Lars. They, did you hear the story about how like he went and found the kit that he recorded Ride the Lightning with and stuff? No. Like had to go find it in like a fucking like like it was in like a pawn shop in like in Denmark wow. or something weird like that. Rick Rubin was like, we got. I want you guys to get the, like, exactly how you used to record. The, we're gonna do it in that way, like back to the old school where it's James and 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 Lars, and they do it piece by piece. I will and, like, say this, like with I, I like Death Medic. He does not like Death Medic just because it's. He says it sounds like just them. I, I do think it's them trying to just trying to do like. It, yes and, that, and no, <laughs> but yes. like, but I appreciate that because when you listen to Saint Anger, that is like them at the bottom. You know, even absolutely. like that absolutely. is at the bottom. Like that band would have broken up if you know it they didn't get have, or who knows. Yeah, but like the Death Magnetic, like that's almost like you know the resurrection, where it's just yeah. like. Or like you know to reference you know LeBron James just coming back you know from his fucking ankle injury did did he ball out no but he had a solid game you know what right, I'm saying right. he beat the Pacers right? right right which is which is a good analogy just because it's like all right we're getting we're getting the wheels back in motion we're right. we're not I we're do not... like Hardwire though Hardwire I think is underrated yeah if Hardwire would have came out in like '99 or when did um when did Saint Anger come 2003. out 2003 2003 if Hardwire would have came out in 2003 it would have been like an oh shit like dunking oh, on all that was that was happening at that time mm-hmm. it's a like pretty good the, album i think both of the i think hard to me it's kind of like uh it's it's and this is very controversial it's like a load reload thing where if you took death magnetic and hardwire i think between those two you could make one really good record you know it's yeah because like, there's moments in hardwire and it was like okay you know it's like and definitely in, in death magnetic but um yeah like um I think what was cool about Death Magnetic and even even St. Anger's, it's like dude, it's a band. Here's what separates them, in my opinion, from say Guns N' Roses. Like Guns N' Roses is an absolute nostalgia act now, right? Yeah. Like they 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 don't make new music or write new music or try to play music. You know what I'm saying? Like they go out and they play the hits or the old stuff, and then they you know that's it. Metallica keeps making record. Like dude. Say what you want, dude. That like Atlas Rise, for example. It's like yeah. that's some that's a holy shit. That's some sick Hetfield riff shit. That like that's that he's the riff master, man. Like that's like like it's sick shit, right? If that would have came out in eighty eight eighty nine, that would have tore people's faces off. You know, it's like I agree. Uh, when that song, when that when that album came out, and you know, you listen to a song like that or whatever, yeah. right? it reminds me of like the last dance with Michael Jordan where like he becomes like, you know, the executive or whatever. And they draft like um, Brendan Haywood or whatever, like to the wizards and Brendan Haywood's like talking shit or Richard Hamilton was talking shit to Jordan or whatever. Right. And he's just like, you know what? Fuck you. I could still take you at 52 or however old he was at that time in these dress shoes or whatever. Right. And like, there's like this uh, story about like, you know, Jordan versus Richard Hamilton, who's like, you know, number one recruit or whatever. And, you know, he's just balling the fuck out of Richard Hamilton at, like, 50 in some dress shoes and shit. And that's how I look at, like, James Hetfield. Like, yeah, yeah, is he 1987 James Hetfield? No, he's, like, a dad. He's, like, he's working through addiction. He's working through all, like, his... He's finally working through, you know, the death of his his, uh, his best friend, you know, Cliff, and his father, his mother. Like, all these crazy things that he's he's coming to terms with. But oh yeah, guess what? I can still fucking whoop your ass like on yeah. what I'm known for and shit. And yeah. that's why he's one of yeah. my favorite people. And I'd also give not I don't want to take anything away from Slayer. Slayer was 
doing the same thing, right? In fact, even after Hanneman died, they were like, no, we're going to keep putting out records. Those last two records they did with Hanneman before he died, there was some sick shit. Dude, World Painted Blood, that track, fuck, that'll rip your face off. There's a song on the record before that, I think the Christ Illusion record called, uh, fuck, is it called Jihad? Which oh, is yeah. probably the sick, dude, lyrically... It's from the it's sung from the perspective of one of the dude terrorists who flew a plane into the fucking World Trade Center. Damn. And it's and it's fucking the sickest Lombardo shit. You, like it's might be my fuck, that might be my favorite fucking Slayer song. You know, it's like it's just like <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll tear your fucking face off too. You know, it's like they the fact that they didn't, yeah, like they it was like, yeah, we're we're artists, you know, we're, we're like we're why, we're not just gonna we're not just doing this for whatever the fuck I, you know, and, and again i'm a as, or was a guns and roses fan you know I, I would like to hear them make new you know even though chinese democracy see if they would if they should make chinese democracy be their saint anger is what they should do you know it's like <laughs> that i think i listened to that record maybe once and i was like are you fucking kidding me but like but you got a free dr pepper from it though <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, okay, so let me ask you about something. So obviously you're a big Metallica fan. Yeah. There is one thing, and we've kind of talked about this several times. Um, I do feel the, the same, well, not the same way as uh, Death Magnetic, but the load and reload era has always <laughs> been a, a part of a part that I've always been kind of like, eh, I, I just, it, it almost feels like similar to what they were trying to do in St. Anger with like matching what was happening in new metal at that time. Yes. The load and reload era, I felt like, you know, Soundgarden was popular and these other bands were popular. And I, I felt like they were just trying to do like, here's Metallica with a Soundgarden element. I think I say yes. And I would say yes. No, for on some things where it's like, absolutely with a song, like until it sleeps, even with the fucking video where it was like, yeah, trying to look like some, like, yeah, like Anton Corbine, like Nirvana video, like the bad alternative. It's like, and there's a reason why they don't ever play that song. Cause it's a fucking turd. Right. But there are things like the last song on load is a song called outlaw torn that's like, a great song that is like there's a couple songs like that that have this mid 70s sabbath kind of like that like like whether it's sabbath cadabra or like that like those rolling driving riffs that are like now people call would probably uh, probably classified as like stoner you know it's like it's like no they were actually metallica was they, they were they were doing that before that shit anyway but it's like it's it's sabbath very sabbathy sick stuff the, the song that ends even i want to say the it's maybe the first side of load is another one of those fuck what's the name of that but it's like it's sorry yeah but but i think it's kind of like with gnr with uh, losing one and two where like if you, you you could make one good record out of all of it you know it's like but yeah like they they Dude, they lost me for sure. I saw them in Lollapalooza 90, whatever the Metallica played at 95 or 96, mm -hmm. whatever that was. And, you know, it was cool, but it was, it was just like, uh, yeah, I, I, I was at an eight. Yeah, I was a teenager and that wasn't my Metallica anymore. And they were like, yeah, it's like, um, but like in hindsight, you go, it's like, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's absolutely listenable more so than St. Anger or whatever, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. think the whole record, yeah, you get like the, the, the last 
half end of that reload record is is unlistenable yeah but mm-hmm. but there's some good good stuff here and there oh yeah i mean i mean like you there's a my one of my favorite podcasts is a chris jericho's podcast and he does this whole thing like where they make the ultimate load album where they yeah. like you know take the best songs off of load they go track by track you know like what songs they like what songs they don't like and then they 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 piece together like the ultimate load album and then like they put it like on spotify and you can actually listen to it and they're like this is a fucking classic album and i think it got yeah. like four and a half stars out of five or whatever yeah and like yeah because there is some really fucking good even like the avant-garde songs what's the the herky jerky or whatever where it's like that weird song oh the memory remains with in the, are you talking about the video are you talking about oh no talking, the, the it, about. it sounds all like irish sounding and shit like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mind, whatever and i was like that's a fucking pretty good song like from a, like a metallica like and it sounds like a fucking like some old man standing like on an irish bay or whatever like yeah <laughs> bringing yeah. home the shit yeah. no yeah. it's definitely like yeah it's like if as a, if you look at more like okay, it's not a met, if you it's like it's a hard, these are hard it's a hard rock record right mm-hmm. or load and reload. If you look at more like that in terms of that, it's like it's it's a good if yeah if you could make that ultimate one record, it's a good hard rock record. You know, it's like it, yeah. and I I really just think the reason I've I've always been kind of passionate like passionately against those albums is because those are the albums that really introduced me to Metallica. And it was like a shitty way to get introduced to Metallica because <laughs> it was like, that's what was getting played on like radio rock here. And, and my girl is the same way. Like I, like I, when I, I was like, no, you should check. This. She was like, no, that cause like, yeah, when she, when she was growing up, it was like, yeah, the hero of the day video or whatever the fuck. Right. Like it's like, and in, in my, uh, uh, perfect track listing, there's no, there's not, there's no fuel. I can't sing. Give me fuel. Give me fun. No, thank you. Like there's no fuel. <laughs> There's no hero of the days. There's no until it sleeps. There's no like, but there's like other song like as a devil's dance or something. On I love that song. There's some good shit. Speaking on there, of bass, like, speaking yes. for justice for Jason, like that's a fucking sick <laughs> yeah. ass bass. but that's like yeah, like come on, man. Like you know, it's like there's some, but it's like yeah, it's, you gotta. Yeah, it's definitely nothing that you can just put on and listen to all the way through. Yeah, yeah. you, you got to go on Apple it, Music and it, track by track that moment. That, that's why I've always just felt really like, man, that is not like, if that's all I would have known in Metallica. And then they did that Mission Impossible song that I was, in my oh, opinion, yeah. is like a dud. Like, I can do without yeah. that Mission Impossible song. And they, they did that first symphonic, the S&M, which is like, don't get me started on that. So I, I tried to listen to the new one for a sec. Like, and I appreciate it's cool that there's they, they're do they want to do something different but like what i heard is i don't want to hear some orchestras like when they're like putting new parts over things it's like i don't give a fuck what you came up with for the for the, you know have you heard the through the never live album yeah that, was, that to me i love that album and that honestly was like a like a like a re-sparking my love for metallica it's like a greatest hits but it's like yeah it's like you listen like they're playing some of those old songs, like like we were talking about. Sound they sound better, you know, like in the live versions where yeah. it's like, yeah, whether it's it, the the part dip. where the part where um where his microphone cuts out, like yeah, yeah. I I think it's on uh on Ride the Lightning or no I, I Master. Of I Puppet. think it is yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. yeah, like all of a sudden his microphone cuts out all the way. Yeah, and like for a few seconds there's there's no vocals, it's all just instruments, and then he goes to another mic and. Yeah. continues to, to do the song to me that was like that was badass i was so glad that they put that in the in the song and yeah. it made the movie i know that there's that movie the through the never movie which 
not my yeah i'm not that crazy about it but um, yeah i I can do without that it was on in the background and i kind of tried but i was yeah yeah i just i like the album more than i like the movie yeah yeah yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I felt like there was no need for the movie, but the album is great. And like that to me was this kind of that re-sparking. And then a couple of months later, that's when, or maybe a couple of years later, that's when, um, uh, damn, what's that? The album I was just talking about, Hardwire. Hardwire came out and it was just yeah. like, that was, that was, I've only seen them live once. And I was like, perfect. That's all I really needed. I got yeah. that, like all that, all that, all the Metallica love right here through the, like the, the the re the second renaissance of metallica and i was like this is badass this is what i would have seen if i would have seen him in like the late 90s or maybe like the the saint anger years i would have been like damn that's not the metallica i would have seen but okay i would have wanted to see but i i do i do like their like their uh rebirth that they kind of gone through now yeah because they can play anything and stuff like like they'll, they'll still even play like like a weird like an outlaw torn but they can play that next to blackened or whatever or then like something from a new record and it all it's like it works and it all blends like, together like everything they're doing from pressing their own records right like they've got they're like they got all the rights to all these records back they're on their own label like it's like they manufacture they like the their t-shirts themselves their own spot you know and like lars does his podcast from there like they just like have their own like yeah everything in their little compound up there they can do it's like they're far in the, from any band of that like they're fucking everybody up like as far as like everyone got pissed at lars around the time of the the same anger stuff with the napster stuff you know and then he's he went hard the other way like they're the only band that like yeah they can oh here's all these live stuff here's complete live shows on youtube here you go once a week right for a while it was even it's like here we'll just give you everything and you can watch us um, at soundcheck basically live if you if for free if you want you know, like that kind of stuff like and the and the the box sets they do and the, the touring and but like to still be a real real band that still like makes new music and stuff it's like a lot of respect for those dudes right because they, they they could be mailing it they could be doing a guns and roses mm-hmm. if they wanted to thing you know but like um yeah it's like um yeah i'm looking forward to this the Black Album box set should be coming out. The next he's, Lars has already been dropping hints and things at it because that one's got so much. It's it's gonna be it's gonna have to be huge, you know. But like that Moscow like live ninety one footage should be a part part of that. Is gonna you know that's in my opinion probably about the peak of them live, you know, like physically where he can still his voice. You get old, man. Like you, you can't you can't sing that way forever, you know. You just can't, you know. But like, um, yeah. I'm 35 and I can't even do shit that I did two years ago. Like yeah, when I'm trying absolutely. to sing along to songs. So absolutely. I, I have all the respect for anybody past 40, you know, singing, you know? So yeah. um, one thing, like I kind of want to end this podcast on is um, I was watching uh, Jim Brewer, uh, that comedian that uh, was yeah. on SNL. Uh, he opened for, he was opening for him yeah, on that was. last tour before uh, COVID, which I got to see um, in Fresno. Yeah. And uh, that was such a beautiful, um, the way he did it, of course, like he did all the stand up and shit, but then like he'd go out to the audience and there's like fans. It's almost like the Grateful Dead. Like they'll follow Metallica everywhere. There's fans like from Mexico, fucking Panama, fucking Germany. that just goes to every fucking tour stop or whatever. Right. And there was like this 90 year old like couple 
And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy to see. Like somebody's grandparents, like great grandparents are fucking seeing Metallica. Like that's fucking wild. And then, then to the next to me, there's like this dad with like his four-year-old son, like they're watching us. I was like, wow, like it's crazy how far like they go across, um, you know, generations or whatever, right. With their music. But Jim Brewer was on Joe Rogan. He was talking about like this guy who I guess got like a brain, like got brain cancer or something like that. And he said that, like, you know, they pretty much wrote him off. Like, you're done. You know, you're done for whatever. Like, you got six months to go. And so I guess, like, you know, they were trying, like, all this experimental, you know, medicine and whatever. And they found something where it's just like, hey, the the healing power of music. And so, like, he would listen to, like, Metallica records. And, like, they started to see, like, oh, shit. Like, his tumors are shrinking or he's starting to get better and all this stuff. To a point where it's just, like, he would just listen to it, like, just all the time. Like, just non-stop and then eventually like he got well enough to go see them live and you know he got to meet the band and you know pretty much you know have like the ultimate you know experience or whatever and i guess jim brewer like ended it on there like he got to meet like the fan or whatever and he's like right now like he's in remission at this point like 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 he's cancer free at this point and it's just like wow like even if that story is bullshit or whatever, like it just speaks to like like the testament that is like metallica's music where it's just like they just span like so many generations and like, Oh, what they can fucking, they can even fucking cure, they can cure cancer and shit. <laughs> yeah. And how many, yeah, like Metallica is one of those bands. Like it might be the only band for like our generation, you know, or, or that like appeals to like so many different people, like all of like, you know, like, like you can have a, like Metallica discussion like this with people that are completely different, you know, different places, different looking, whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, that they touch people that way, you know, it's like, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's it's really cool. I know this guy at work um, and he, he usually plays music and it's usually just a bunch of like popular music that he'll play. So it'll, it'll just be a lot of like radio things. One time the song one came on, and for me, the fact that that one, the song one is mixed in with all those other popular songs that were coming on really like shows you how powerful that song is. Right. And that it, when it, it comes on and like a playlist somewhere or somewhere. Yeah. Like someone's playing. You're like, oh, shit, this is real shit. Or this is like, oh, yeah, it stands it, it, apart. It stands apart and it transcends like metal. And that to yeah. me is like really important that it's just like, yeah, you can appeal. And no offense to Slayer. I love Slayer. But Slayer pretty much just appeals to metalheads. Um, yeah, absolutely. Metallica, you know, it's it's so it's so wide open. And yeah, there's those albums I don't care much for, but those albums got a lot of people. That was the gateway drug for them to get into older Metallica and heavier Metallica and other heavier bands or whatever it may be. So I don't want to knock it too much. Um, and and that's to me the the really important thing. It's like regardless of what your favorite album is and what era of Metallica you like, like there is a Metallica for everyone. There's yeah. the there's even a song with Jaw Rule in there somewhere. <laughs> but but, but uh but I do think it's I do think that it's you know like I have my personal favorite album. You have your personal uh, personal personal favorite album, and that that to me like that just happened a few days ago that I heard him listening to that and I was like this motherfucker is listening to one. Like, that's crazy that he was listening to like, I don't know, like Lincoln park and Shakira before this. And now one's on here. And it's just like, 
that to me is like mind blowing that those worlds should not mix, but yet they, they have mixed. Well, it's like the Grammys, like where they played moth into the flames with Lady Gaga. And it's like one of my favorite performances of all time. Like, I'm like, Oh fuck, this is awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, Hey, if you guys ever want to hear, like, I don't know if I told you before, but like, like, uh, I listen, like I have a ridiculous sound system in my truck because for me, Listening to music is a is a driving thing. I, I like to listen to music when I'm driving, and I like to listen to music loud. So I have a very, 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 very loud uh, system in my truck, and mostly, yeah, with subs and stuff. So that, and this is another thing. So talking about uh, another thing like this, we got to do um, listening to stuff like Dre and stuff in it because it's like it's like listening to a different record because without that sub thing going, it, like it's. Those those records were meant to be listened to loud. Like that's this record, like is, is a, 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 they've talked about before too. It's like where when they would reference mixes while they were making it, they would go out to their car, right, to listen. That's like go out into a truck, right, and you see what happens when it. You know, people complain about the speaker up. It's supposed to. It's supposed to like this record sounds better than any of the other ones loud. So if I'm ever around and you guys are ever around down here and you want to go for a little ride and, and have your face melted, uh yeah, we'll listen to a little justice and we'll listen to a little chronic and some other stuff. Hell yeah. I'm down man. Get some uh grill them all. I was gonna say we should yeah. we, if we ever do the Dre album, I think we should do it right. We should, you know, just bring up we could record it with some laptops or something, but we could uh we should go to Randy's Donuts in like the, the middle of of yeah. LA. And it, yeah. Yeah, and, and just recorded like the from there. It has to be, yeah, like um, to, to to get a full appreciation, grasp for that. So, oh yeah, I'm kicking stuff. In. Um, <laughs> for, the, for that, for the Dre stuff specifically, is like, yeah, it's like that. That's that's stuff. You gotta have that sub. You gotta have. It's, it's gotta be loud. It's gotta be things have to be shaken. Yeah, you gotta. It's, uh, Hell yeah, masses and speakers, but. Aaron, we got to go. I hear my yeah. baby crying in the background. Thank you so much for coming back on and blessing us with all this. Let me uh, uh, piss people off and uh, uh, bum people out. And uh, <laughs> It's always a pleasure having you on, man. Yeah. Um, so now that COVID's over, I see that you are doing more, you know, uh, stuff with your comedy or whatever. Uh, so is there anything you want to, you know, uh, promote or shout out right now? Uh, you know, just check out uh, the show that I, uh, I do a show called The Whenever Show. Anybody who comes to see me as you stand up, if you want to debate me on any of these types of uh, arguments, I will be uh, outside after the show and you can go at it. Next time I see you, I will be wearing a St. Anger shirt. I've been thinking about just to bum people out, just like double down, just like, fuck you, man. St. Anger only. Like, yeah. Bob Rock. That's Bob Rock on bass era, bro, only. Greatest Metallica bass player, Bob, Bob Rock. Bob, Bob, Bob fucking Rock, rock bro. Yeah. <laughs> Best performance at the Raiders. Parking <laughs> lot. All right. Yeah. So with that said, real quick, to sign us off, make sure you check us out on all the social medias at Art Jacob Do America, except for Twitter, we are at Art Jacob Do A One. That is how a steak is done. Uh, make sure you go to our Patreon where we have another fire ass episode with the great and powerful Aaron North on there. We're talking, you know, sports and whatnot. 
Uh, so check that out. Uh, we got to do a fucking, you know, uh, you know, sports episode with you sometime down the road. Um, also, too, if you want to get some of our merch, go to the tpublic.com. Search Art Jacob Do America where you see all four of our designs. Uh, we where we actually have a, a Metallica inspired uh, design. Uh, it's Ride the Lightning, but I feel like uh, we do need to get a Injustice for All inspired one as well. Maybe I'll have my you know my titty out or something like that, like Lady Justice or something. Um, Nicole, get on that. Uh, but with that said, um, guys, thank you for yeah. coming by. Aaron, have a beautiful night, dude. Thank you, you once again for coming on. Thanks. Good to see you guys again. I'll see you soon. Later, Good. brother. But historically, it stands up over time. Maybe not the mix, but the songs do. And the impact that it made, the mark that it made, the mathematical part of it. How far we went with the eight-minute song was 17 time signatures. I mean, whose idea was that? You know, when you go back and try to learn some of it or relearn it or refresh on some of it, who the fuck? And then the other day, um, Pontiac, Michigan, or Battle Creek, Michigan, kid comes up and gives me and Jason for all. Right, so he's remixed the bass tracks back into the Justice. Yeah. thing. And I'd heard talk about it over the years and stuff, you know, but I didn't really pay much attention to it. And he brings it, dude, this is for you, man, how it was supposed to be. And I'm like, okay. I think how it was supposed to be is how it came out and what made the mark on the world, but cool, the bass in it, great, dude. That's, thank you. I'm, I appreciate like it. Like this and like that, man. Uh, it's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.